This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 16th, episode 1935. This episode is brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, horse world. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Jamie is off training horses up in Montana or someplace. I saw she posted a couple of videos yesterday of a Frisian that she's working with that apparently is like eight years old and has never been ridden. So she started starting with the basics, and apparently it looks like she was getting someplace. But the scenery up there, Wendy, was beautiful. I don't know. (laughs) I bet. It's just beautiful. Um, It's right out of Jackson Hole, I think. Uh, so I don't know if it's Wyoming, Montana. Where is she at? I don't know. Uh, she's somewhere out west. there. Well, she's yeah, out west. Somewhere where it's very pretty and has mountains. Uh, <laughs> and the whole family's along, so they're going to have a great time up there. But Dr. Wendy's filling in. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're going to be helping to fill in, too, a day or two while we're gone uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hey, Wendy, a week what? from today, guess who I'll be with? Who? I will be with Ice Road Trucker Lisa Kelly, our friend. Oh, my God. I love her. Yeah. So we'll be at her house. We're going to be heading up. uh, We're going to be staying in Anchorage for a couple of days. So we're seeing one of our auditors, Emily, is going to take us on carriage ride. So we're going to get a carriage ride in Anchorage. And then one of the days we're going up to Lisa Kelly's. We're going to head up her way, which is north of Anchorage. And uh, she said we get to play with horses and do whatever we want. So, oh, that'll be fun. That's you better be fun. bring some beer. <laughs> I know. I thought about that actually. I thought, what do you get in a what Alaskan beer do you get in Alaskan? Uh, they probably don't like Alaskan beer. I don't know, but uh, don't know. but they like to ha- drink beer while they're riding. That's, that's right. Required. It, it, every picture you see of those guys up there riding, they're drinking beer. So because it's so freezing, they need some alcohol <laughs> to keep them warm. It is going to be a little chillier than here in Florida. I notice it's going to be in the forties at night and mid fifties during the day. Oh my God! Wendy would freeze to death. She'd be that's winter. <laughs> you and you and Jemmy would be like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Entire... have to wear shoes. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. By the way, no Jemmy agrees with you. She's in flip flops all the time. So you two are made. You're the same that way. <laughs> Jemmy's with us today. Hi, Jemmy. Hi. How is everybody? It's exciting. Good. And Jemmy's going to tell us what's good, coming good, up good. on today's show. I sure am. All right. On today's show, listener Shelby comes on to talk about a company that she told us about that makes custom model horses. It sounds really, really cool. Dr. John Madigan t- joins in to tell us about the uh, about dummy foals and his squeeze technique. Scott from the Pollock Report gives us the rundown of the Preakness Stakes. And of course, Dr. Wendy is joining us today, making it an all Florida edition. Of the- oh, that's Yay. true. Yay. Yay. 
<laughs> I forgot. So you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed. Yeah, it's a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, you guys are gonna love this, both of you. <laughs> today is National Mimosa Day, so uh-huh. I'm taking the rest of the day off, guys. Why don't I have one? It's a holiday. Why don't I have a mimosa? <laughs> you know, right. <sighs> Major well, fail, major fail. I got a cruise coming up. I'm making sure to get mimosas now that you said that. That's going to happen for breakfast. There you go. Well, uh, it is Daily Winnie time. Okay, there's nobody else I could give my Daily Winnie to today other than Brian Morris from Illinois. Brian, Mor- <laughs> Brian Morris from Illinois had a boss of 17 years, and I'm just going to say it. That boss treated him like shit. Well, (laughs) much to the boss's chagrin, Brian Wilson, or Brian Morris, won the lottery. $125 million. Oh, my God. And he quit his job immediately, as you would do if you won $125 million in the lottery. Well, Brian Morris had been treated like shit so much over that 17 years that he risked going to get jail and getting arrested and spending $224,000 on manure. Yep, on manure. Dozens of trucks filled with manure showed up at his boss's house at 6 a.m. in the morning and began dumping their cargo all over the boss's lawn. That's right. (laughs) That's a lot. $200,000? Imagine how much manure that can buy. It was 10... You know how many people have dreamt of this? I know. (laughs) It was 10,000 tons of manure. Wow. I don't know where he even found 10,000 tons of manure. But anyway, so so he hired this company... First of all, what company agrees to do this? I guess the company that's getting paid two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars agrees. Yeah, to do maybe this. that's why it cost yeah. two hundred twenty thousand. He had to probably <laughs> they pay extra. Up a fine. They saw it was going to be around a grand. They thought, "Hey, cut our losses." Yeah, <laughs> we'll pay the fines. What the heck? So it took fifteen. So the boss wakes up to all this manure being dumped in his yard, and uh, it took fifteen minutes for the police to arrive, which allowed time for ten thousand tons to be dumped. In the meantime, oh my god. <laughs> So, guess who was standing across the street laughing his ass off when the police arrived? (laughs) Yep, Brian Morris. He was standing there. He came over to the police and said, yep, I did it. I did it. Arrest me. Please tell me this video. Please tell me. I haven't found the video yet. There is a mugshot of Brian Morris. Wendy, how do you describe the mugshot? Well, he's pretty happy with himself. I think this has been his like lifelong dream. He's like winning the lottery was good, but this is even better. He says that he had he, 17 years to think about it. That's right. He, this is his quote. The accused, this is the policeman actually during the press conference because they had to hold one because it went so viral. The accused told us he worked for the victim for 17 years and was treated like shit. He says he had to endure his mistreatment because he needed the money. But now that he won $125 million, it was time for revenge. Oh, my God. Oh, when asked by uh, organizers what he would do with the money when he won it just a little bit ago, he said, just read the news. You'll see. So he had this plan from day one. And when he was freed on bails a few hours after his arrest, because he could afford bail, he told the reporters to stay alert. A few other pranks will be pulled over the next few weeks. So apparently, if you pissed him off, I'd be 
careful over the next couple of weeks. You know because... what? Who's not going to get any of his money? Lawyers. You know why? Because he doesn't care enough to <laughs> bother defending himself. He's like, yep, I'm going to do it. Just sit back and watch. You know, he knew it was probably a misdemeanor, so he wouldn't go to jail. So it was worth the arrest, right? Because you're not getting a job right. ever again. So. Right. <laughs> is there somebody that you... No, you don't have to say who, Wendy, but is there somebody that, you know, has done this to you that you win the lottery, you're going to dump uh, 10,000 pet tons of manure? I don't think so. I don't hold a grudge <laughs> like that. I would just get a new job, you know? Yeah, this guy holds a grudge. You know, for the long term, this is Go not really Starbucks. good for his... Uh, mental side not really good anyway i had to do it and i think we're going to see more news about this guy coming up i don't think think he's i don't think he's done all right okay my daily winnie is to my two friends karen abatista and aaron toll because i have been super stressed out with a ton of work And they whisked me off on a Thursday to go swim with gypsy vanners in the ocean. Oh, you did that thing up along the coast? Yeah, it's called Sea Ponies. And it's run by a local family here in Sarasota, the Hermans. And they they do the Lipizzan shows here in Sarasota. But they also do this thing with the Sea Ponies. And it's, uh, she has a string of gypsy vanners and she meets you at the Skyway Park, which is, um, like this little strip of beach park that is just south of St. Pete. And it's and you uh, go out right near the Skyway Bridge, right? The big bridge? Yeah. 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 It's so fun. And it how was far great. do you go out? Do you go out so you're actually swimming? You're... No, it's very shallow there. Like they can stand most of the time. Um, so it's really shallow in the bay there. So when you see boats out there, the boats are in a channel that's dug specifically for that. So... Uh, and at low tide, you know, you can you you can walk almost all the way out there till you get to the channel. So you can walk like a mile out there. So we went out and you splash around with the gypsies, and then she takes you into a place where it's a little deeper, and then they swim for a little while, and it's great. It's so fun. That does sound. And you don't fun. have to ride to do it. You can be at the two people that were with us were total non-riders because the gypsies are just. Well trained, yeah, because they're gypsies. Yeah, they're gypsy banner. You just sit there. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds so fun. That sounds like something we're gonna have to do for finding Florida for sure when we come down there. Oh yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, but as a horse person, it's so great. I mean, the the swimming was fun, but as a horse person, it's really great to just like show up. Your horse is tacked up and groomed, and you they bring it up to the mounting block so that you can get on. I felt like a princess. I what and then was your gypsy's name? Into the my gypsy banner's name was Marina. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Do they all have and seafaring names? They all have seen. And then Aaron's was Ariel. Oh. And I forget what Karen's one was, but he was cute. They were all cute. Very cool. Well, did Jemmy yeah. and I are going to have to do the uh, swim the gypsies in the ocean thing when we go. Yeah, there. you have to do it. When we do Sarasota, we'll have to. You'll have to come along. I will. Yeah. For sure. I know that's <laughs> on our list, isn't guy. it, Jemmy? She got to do the swim the gypsies in the ocean thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, it, I'm down. Yeah, and Jemmy doesn't ride, and you said she'll be fine. She won't drown. No, you don't need to ride. Okay, good. They, they, the gypsies are trained. They do. You just sit yeah. there. I didn't even steer mine at all. I just did it all on its own. 
That's what I'm it saying. As a horse person, it's so, it feels so spoiled. Because <laughs> if I took my own horses, I mean, Duke would have bucked me off for sure. <laughs> Scooter would have been rolling. I have them up there. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Scooter would have drowned me just by rolling. It was a, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we have one quick announcement before we get to our guest, and uh, we have not announced this. And actually, the driving show that we announced it will be coming out this week. But uh, we wanted to make an announcement about the driving show, didn't we? Uh, Wendy and I have been doing the driving radio show for five, seven six, years. Seven years. Seven wow. years. Seven and years. you know how I get it, seven years. I know, she gets the With itch. my men. Yeah, she she gets that way with her men. Uh, so but we weren't going to change it up, I was gone. Yeah, you weren't dumping me, though. You're not dumping me. We're just, <laughs> no. we're just developing just, a new I would let you down easy. I would let you down. <laughs> we're developing a new relationship. How long has been Kyle been around, I would by say, the way? it's me. It's me, Glenn. It's not you. It's yeah, me. I know. That would be your line, too. <laughs> and, uh, how, how long has Kyle been around, by the way? <laughs> I'm not going to say, but we're past that point. Oh, okay, good, good. Don't just make check. him nervous. <laughs> just checking. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Wendy's not going anywhere. She owns part of this company, so she, she's not allowed to leave. <laughs> so what we're doing, though, is we are changing the driving show up a bit. And what we're going to do is we're going to be suspending the driving show itself. And Wendy's going to be doing a driving episode here on Horses in the Morning on the first Thursday of every month. So we're not giving up on doing talking about driving. We're just moving it to Horses in the Morning. And I think this is going to be a great move because we're going to talk more about Chinese medicine. We're going to have more time. So we're going to have a, um, you know, more time dedicated to that section. So it'll be driving and Chinese medicine. I, I, I like it, too. I think that we, you know, part of our goal for doing the driving show in the first place was introducing people who have never thought about driving before to try it and to give it a chance. And we know that many of our listeners have tried driving because they listened to that show that weren't drivers before. By coming over here to Horses in the Morning, where we have a much larger audience, we're going to be able to bring that, we're the you know, the thought of getting out and driving to a whole new group. Um, yeah, and, and also with the extra half hour of the show, we'll have um, we'll be able to have regular segments. Like we're going to have um, Randy and Katie Cadwell from Tremont Farm to come on every month and talk about a training tip, and we can explore more things about driving on a regular basis. I, I like it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll still take those episodes and put them out on the Driving Radio Show feed so that if you do subscribe to that, you'll get those uh, Horses in the Morning episodes anyway. But we're just trying to expand our reach for driving. We love driving. I Everybody knows I do. And Jemmy's been out with me now. She she actually took the reins one time and drove a scooter. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> driving's fun. And I think a lot of riders overlook it. And uh, we're mm -hmm. hoping to bring it to a whole new crowd here with our tens of thousands of listeners over here at Horses in the Morning. So I'm excited about that, Wendy. Thank you so much for me too for agreeing to do that and for not dumping me uh, after seven years. I know. Now we have a seven more years of our new relationship. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Kyle is over seven, right? I got to talk to him. Yes. Today. Okay. Yes. Good. Just, just. And also, we have a business together. So, like with you and I, we are stuck together. Yeah. It'd be hard for me to get out. Oh, Jemmy, you hear that? We just uh, <laughs> we haven't announced that oh, yet. Wait, I need to. We have. We'll yeah, have to I need do to that. Rethink some things here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're stuck now. We signed the agreement. Uh, and we haven't talked about that. We'll talk about that a little later in the show, too. Uh, I don't even think Wendy knows okay. about that. So no. we'll we'll, talk, we'll chat about that a little later. But, but first, welcome to the family. You're stuck with us. <laughs> Seven years. 
Just think about that. Your son will be 13 by the time you can get out. Uh, I'm glad you filled her in early before she got to know us better. (laughs) That's right. That's how we do it here at the Horse Radio Network. Well, we have one of our listeners coming up right now. She's on the line, and we love talking to our listeners, and we especially love listeners that have cool jobs because we like talking to them about what they do in their real life. And we have Shelby coming on, and she has been a listener for a couple of years. Hi, Shelby. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm so excited. Where are you from, Shelby? What state? Um, Michigan. Michigan. And you've been, we have a lot of listeners in Michigan, especially the horses in the morning. I don't know what it is about Michigan, but it's probably one of our biggest states, actually. Um, it's finally you, starting to warm up. I was going to say, you're so cold up there, you have nothing <laughs> else to do but listen to podcasts because you're just freezing. <laughs> So now, Shelby, how long you've been listening for a couple of years? You said in your email. Yep. And is it mostly horses in the morning, or do you listen to other shows too? Um, mostly horses in the morning. I mostly that one. Sometimes okay. when you mention the other ones, I go to the other ones. Cool. And do you have horses? Yeah, I have five. Oh, really? What do you have? Five. I have a halflinger. Two Shetlands and two Minis. Oh, oh my God! Do you drive? Are you a carriage driver? No, but I'm not a driver. But I have been ground driving one of my Minis, so hopefully soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get yourself a little cart, a little harness, and you'll mm-hmm. be going all over the neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be doing that next week. Lisa Kelly, when we go to Alaska, she has Minis that drive, so I get to drive my first Mini. I've never driven a Mini. Well, you know, almost Mini with scooter, but I've never driven a real Mini. Do you? <laughs> Are your minis the good kind or the naughty kind? Um, they're pretty good. Yeah, you got I, t- one of them's a Falabella, and the other one's just a standard mini. So you got oh, the two good you. minis in the whole country. Um, just kidding. maybe. <laughs> just kidding, all you mini people. Great Send way you- <laughs> to alienate all of our mini listeners. So we have a lot of mini listeners actually. Send your. I uh, wish you had a mini show. We're trying, actually. We're trying to get that arranged. We're working on that now. We're looking for a sponsor. If anybody wants to sponsor a mini show, let me know. Um, Because we have so many mini listeners. And any complaints about me complaining about minis should go to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. She takes all the complaints. Um, Shelby, you wrote to me because you have a cool job. Tell us about your job. Um, I work at Stone Horses or the Peter Stone Company, and we make model horses. Everybody knows briars, and I think almost every horse person knows stone horses, too. If, yep. Especially, because as a kid, you had both, right? How long stone been around? Um, I think over, I don't know, actually. A long time. It's, I know Peter's done it for over 50 years. For both companies. And tell us about wow. that, because I didn't know that Peter Stone is the son of the creator of Briar, right? Yep. I never knew that. Yep, and then he branched off and created Stone Horses, and Stone Horses are actually produced all in the USA. I didn't know that either. And how, do the, how, do they, how does the production work? What are they made out of? Um, it's a plastic... And do you make the mold first, and then? Yep. Now, and like every one of them is painted here in Shipshawana. Is that right? It's hand painted. Yep, they're all hand painted oh one by gosh. one. Gosh, I didn't know that. 
<laughs> Me neither. So are they? So I know how it works with Briar, where you have they have a selection process to see what horses get made and things. How does Stone decide what horses they're going to do? Um, we have some pre-orders, so we will paint a model, and then people can order to get the same thing. Or we have one of a kinds where the artists get to choose what to paint. And then they're just listed as their one-offs, so you're the only person who gets it. Oh, wow. That's cool. And you told me something that fascinated me. You said that you can get a replica of your horse, so I could get a scooter made. Yep. So Um, The way that works is our portrait horse program. We have different body molds, so you would choose whichever body mold looks similar, or we can help you choose. Oh, that's going to be tough for Scooter. You would send us photos (laughs) of, like, all the details of your real horse, and then our painters would make a model replica. Oh, that's kind of cool. I need a Scooter. You need a Scooter, but the body mold thing is going to be really difficult. Well, if they have a hackney pony, I'll be good. As long as they have a (laughs) a fat pony, I'm fine, because Scooter looks like a fat Shetland right now. Um, Maybe they can squeeze together the um, like the the saddlebred one and then like squeeze it down into a short <laughs> fat one. Do you have any short <laughs> fat ponies on that that we could do? We do have a pony mold. It's probably <laughs> short and fat enough for him, and he'd be pretty easy to paint because he, you know, his coloring is pretty distinctive. So I think it'd be easy yep. to do. How much does that run? Do you know? Uh, the the portraits start out. It's hard to tell. Like, simple paint jobs would obviously be cheaper. Um, the pony mold, I think, starts around 100 Yeah, $109.99. And then whatever paint job, depending on how difficult it is, it goes up. So if you That's have really a, affordable. If you have a speckled Appaloosa, it's going to cost more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you yeah. have a paint that got... Uh, Massive coloring, it's going to cost more. My brown you know, pony... Before, the- <laughs> before they had the picture Coggins, I used to want to charge my people that had Appaloosas or Pintos more for drawing their t- Coggins. It took me forever. Oh, because you had to draw them on the... <laughs> we had to draw them. <laughs> to draw the spots. Yeah, Appaloosas and horses with dapples take the longest because the dapples are all one-by-one hand-painted, too. What a great gift idea for a birthday or Christmas, though, huh? And, and it's it's really fun to see all the like people's real horses in the model form because I take the photos before they go out and shipping, so I get to see them all. Now, if and I wanted to have a around time, if I wanted, like, to how ha- long does it take? Yeah, that's a good question. What? So, if I send you my picture, how long would it take till till my pony's ready? Um, right now it would be a little bit longer. Um, because we're getting ready for Equilocity in Kentucky in July, but it's usually a month or two. So, wow, that's incredible. So plan ahead, right? Um, yeah. And what, if, uh, so let me ask you this question. We were talking about this before the show. So if we did a line of stone horses that had like Jamie's horse, maybe had Zeus and I had Scooter and we had some other host horses, couldn't we then sell them to listeners? Um, I don't think we like mass produce the portraits. Okay. All right. Just checking. Just but they're checking. supposed to be super special. 
Well, I got to get one. I have a shelf right up here that I can put it on, and I definitely have to get a scooter, and we're going to have to get a Nigel, too, for that matter. So we're gonna Oh, yeah, you to, have to get a Nigel. have to get a Nigel. Do you, do you have the fat thoroughbred model? Because that's what Nigel <laughs> will be. We have a thoroughbred. Yeah, that'll be good. Can you put a little... We can take some little clay and make him fatter than normal, and that'll be <laughs> Nigel. Uh, Jennifer's going to be mad at me for saying that, by the way. <laughs> Well, this is cool. I didn't know about this, and what a great gift idea. And the thing with Facebook nowadays is you can get the pictures off Facebook of people's horses, and they truly don't – you don't have to ask them anything, and you could get a model made for them, right? Nope, you can do – we do gifts, too, where we won't tell. Perfect. That's such a good present. We should do one for for Radiothon, and we can do a prize on Radiothon. Oh, that's a good idea. A custom, uh, uh, you can get a custom pony made. I think that's a great prize for Radiothon. Yeah. I'll be talking to you about that, okay? We'll talk about Radiothon yep. coming up, because that's, I think that's a great idea. Well, Shelby, where do people go? Where do they go to find it? Um, we have a Facebook page, and that's the Peter Stone Company, or the website is stonehorses.com. Now, I'm on Stone, Stone Horses, so where do I go to find out about the, the custom one? Um, you would contact us. You would send us an email, and just in the um, subject line, you put portrait. Okay. So use the contact link on the on the website itself? Or you can email directly service at stonehorses.com. How many, do you know how many horses you guys do a year total? I have no idea. I know that I put in orders every morning, and there's at least, like on a heavy day, I could have, a hundred orders and light days we have at least five to ten. Oh my god, that's incredible. That's a lot of paint hand painted horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you have painters there locally that do it? Yep, we have um I think we have six painters right now that paint all of these. What a cool job for a for a, a I know, painter, for an right? artist. For an artist yeah. to have. That's a really cool job. Um well, one, to have a job when your artist is really cool. I mean, that's the first thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to actually get paid for it is a, is a good deal. Well, this is great. People can check out uh, stonehorses.com. We have the most fascinating listeners. And Shelby, thank you so much for listening and for letting us know about your job. Yep, thank you. All right. Appreciate it. And if you uh, if you have a cool job and you're a listener, whether it has anything to do with horses or not, we don't care. We we like hearing about cool jobs. Let us know, and we'll get you on the show too. Uh, we love talking about that stuff, and and we do have listeners that have the, that do the neatest things. So, like Lisa Kelly, who wrote to us and said, "I listen and I drive truck," and then it turns out she drives truck on the most f- famous trucking show ever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she does drive truck. Well, horselovers.com is our sponsor for today, and I was just on their website this morning, and of course they have a sale going, because they always do, and they have a horseware brand clearance going, Horseware, another one of our terrific sponsors. They have up to 85% off on horseware products. Uh, I'm looking at horseware breeches for $44. They have polo shirts for $29. They have hoodies, horseware hoodies that regularly go for $79 for $13. No um, way. I, I know. They I have gotta go on there. the rugby tops. You know the horsewear rugby shirts that everybody loves so much, but they're yeah. like 80 bucks are on sale for 33. So they have the down jackets. If you're looking at replacing your jacket for next year, for next season, they're marked down from 210 to $83. I'm telling you, there is one. 
There's 12 what pages. What about horse blankets? There's you know how I love horse blankets. There's 12 pages of stuff, Wendy. <laughs> You're going to have to go through oh it all. God. I think it's mostly the clothing right now that's on sale, but they also have the some of the fly boots and some of the socks. And I didn't realize how much horsewear clothing they make. Oh, here's a horsewear wug heavy turnout for 233 down from 359. Um uh here's a, another turnout down to 133. So yes, take a look and see if oh, your yeah, size is available. I see them. Yep. Take a look to see if your size is available. If you're into and horse halters, oh yeah. There's Duke tw- needs some new clothes. Definitely. And uh, they also have the micro fleeces uh, available. They have belts. They have all kinds of different stuff. So definitely check out the sale going on right now at horselovers.com. It's their uh, horseware brand clearance. Now, those don't last long, so look at it today. It's the deal of the day, which means it could be gone tomorrow. So definitely take a look right now as you're listening to this. Horseloverswithaz.com. Glenn, I got to take a break from recording because I need to go shopping. <laughs> no, you have You have to take the next guest, so you have <sighs> to stay here. Matter of fact, okay. let's do this. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. Well, hi, Dr. John. Thanks for joining us today on the Weekly Vet Report. Good morning. Um, You have this fascinating article and some fascinating research that you've just released, and this is about uh, the dummy foals and your squeeze technique. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not sure which one of the articles that uh, you're talking about. We just do have a publication in a journal called Animals, which is a peer-reviewed journal. And uh, for your listeners, peer review means that it's uh, outside people take a look and and uh, and evaluate things before it's published, as opposed to a magazine article. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, people can find it uh, in a search there. But the the dummy foal is. Uh, is a term that's uh, been used for maybe a uh, hundred years for uh, describing foals that are born and uh, they seem to have a normal birth and then uh, they don't seem to go uh, the way all foals should, meaning uh, their recognition of the mother and the bonding is, is not normal. They are also called wanderers. So instead of staying really close to their moms and whatnot, which is evolutionary biology really important for the foal, they wander away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't find the udder. They don't nurse. Um, and uh, so they're going to die without veterinary intervention of some kind. And uh, over the years, uh, that's often required a lot of intensive care over five to seven days. So uh, it's a syndrome that's pretty important in the industry. We think about uh, somewhere between three to five percent of all full births uh, have uh, this uh, syndrome, where uh, it's non-infectious condition, uh, and uh, so there's no antibiotic or anything that you can give, and uh, mm-hmm. just required a great deal of effort, and uh, many foals didn't make it. Yeah, because some people just don't have the money to spend to have the mare in full hospitalized for three to five days with around-the-clock care. You're exactly right. And uh, all the data that we have uh, on survival, meaning that um, um, 
comes from these uh, critical care units in hospitals where they uh, show then the good news, that's 80% of them uh, get better. Mm-hmm. But what uh, puzzled us for, uh, I started in neonatal intensive care unit at UC Davis in the, in the 80s, and we started seeing a lot of these falls. And I was really puzzled because we were we were saying that the cause of it or the etiology was actually uh, low oxygen. And so at some point, uh, either the placenta not fully attached or going through the birth canal or afterwards, low oxygen caused uh, changes in the brain and uh, was accounting for these uh, abnormal behaviors. And the problem with that is that once they snapped out of this condition, they were completely normal. and They didn't have some of the uh, well-known adverse uh, sequela to uh, low oxygen event at birth. And uh, there's mm-hmm. some very unfortunate things that happen and neurons die and you're your locomotor system, your brain function, your all these things. And it always takes time, you know, a lot more time. If you're out of it for three to five days, you just don't all of a sudden wake up and start, you know, right. go play baseball. And right. the folks, when they wake up, they travel around with their mother, they do everything we go to send them home. The owner says, well, what do I need to do? He's been in the hospital for five, seven, nothing. Yeah. The folks, right. it's following the mother. <laughs> you don't need anything. It just snapped out of it. And they go, well, gee, ah, that's unusual. And so uh, we we just said, there's got to be something else going on. And so uh, Dr. John, can I ago, interrupt you here doing, quick? Is this different sure. from a foal that just won't nurse? Well, uh, there's really a lot of reasons why a foal won't nurse. Uh, they could be septicemic, uh, meaning they have a bacterial infection. They could be born with a congenital, you know, defect. Uh, they could. There's a whole variety of things. But one of the hallmarks, a great question, is that the little checklist we have for well-being is that they should stand in one to two hours and nurse within two to three hours. If that doesn't happen, then they're not going to get the colostral immunity from the mare's milk right. that they need. And so they're, if they're wandering around doing some of these things that they don't attach and suckle, it could be that they don't have the recognition, you know, uh, processes going on in the brain, which is part of what's happening with this uh, maladjustment. Okay. Uh, that's the other name, sorry, is the uh, for the dummy foals, the maladjustment syndrome. So it could be, but it okay. could be other things. And so... Veterinarians are really uh, cautious when they say you just don't assume it's uh, a dummy foal. Uh, you may want to have your vet take a look at it, but with the method that we've developed, you can easily perform this squeeze procedure. And I'm jumping a little ahead of myself here, and then observe whether the foal wakes up from that squeeze procedure and then does have an effective nursing uh, capability. Yeah, they say you got nothing to lose at that point, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me get back right, to ahead. why we yep, sorry. were doing this. Maybe it'll make sense. It's kind of uh, so here you have a foal that's uh, wandering around, does, doesn't recognize. So we've done this other study just independently of the maladjustment research and everything that we're doing, where we're every horse owner knows and veterinarian knows that when you are holding a foal snugly, a newborn foal, anytime in the first week of life, and you want to examine it or take its heart rate or look at it or medicate. If you hold them a little snugly, they, they flop down, their heads drop down and they appear to collapse. And 
it's called the flopping reaction and it's very well known. And so we, we just wanted to understand is that what's the mechanism of that? We did some research in normal foals and in order to do the, the research, we had to squeeze them for a period of time to do the non-invasive brain wave and blood tests we wanted to do. And, and so we designed this little rope system that's now called the Madigan squeeze, which goes between the front legs and a couple of loops around the chest and uh, you put a little pressure on and the foals lay down and go to sleep. So that mimicked this flopping reaction, allowed us to do the research. And we showed, gosh, they go into slow wave sleep. Their heart rate stays okay. Their ventilation stays okay. Their electrolytes stay okay. And then as soon as you release this pressure, they stand up and go back to what they were doing. So uh, we were curious about this because we were measuring some hormones during that time uh, as part of this research study, and we saw some changes at the end of 20 minutes. So we just put that in the publication and that's sitting there. Well, then this maladjusted foal, we decided syndrome, we decided to do research on that, and we made a huge discovery, and we found that these foals are not uh, uh, hypoxic or low oxygen, is that they're actually persisting with the hormones that prevent the foal from galloping around in the womb. So, so the, they have the same... It, the foal, so, they, so the ones that are laying down have the same uh, uh, neurochemicals in their bloodstream as the ones that you squeeze. They had a couple of them, not not the complete mm-hmm. uh, uh, picture, and I'll explain the difference. We just saw that there were some hormone events uh, involving hormones that affect the brain. They're called neurosteroids in the model studying this flopping reaction. Okay, so I'll mm-hmm. put that on the shelf. Okay, some hormone changes. We don't know what they mean. And they go away, you know, the foal, as soon as you release the pressure, they, they, uh, they, they are completely normal when you're doing that, uh, uh, when we were doing the study. Right. So we decided to look at, uh, at these neurosteroids. And, uh, the reason that uh, we were doing that is there was, uh, some work in uh, New Zealand showing that, uh, lambs have high levels of these, uh, neurosteroids and so do other mammals. And we wondered, uh, whether the process that was going on when the dummy foal was simply a failure to transition their consciousness from the in utero state where they don't, it's not good to move around too much. You got to wiggle right. a little bit, but you got to be asleep <laughs> for 11 months. Right. The gestation phase, you got to be asleep. Mm-hmm. Then they're a prey animal. You think about it, you got to go for being asleep for 11 months to standing and following your mom within hours of birth. So you stay away from the saber tooth tiger and all that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. The prey animal evolution or biology, you got to make this big. So that's what we call the transition of consciousness. So sometimes I give a talk and, and the title of the talk is why foals don't gallop in utero. Everybody <laughs> goes, well, of course they can't. That's not good. You know, we wouldn't want that. Well, what's the chemistry of that? How does that work? And then how does that go away right after they're born so that they know it's a new deal? Is it the bright sunlight and all this stuff? Well, it turns out that the hormones that are secreted in the womb by the foal keeps the foal asleep and in this state where they don't thermoregulate, they don't nurse, they don't need to recognize their mother. You think of all the things they don't have to do in the womb, right? Right. And that has to switch immediately after they're born. So 
we found that these maladjusted or dummy foals have levels of these hormones just like they're in the womb. And the foals that are running around, they're all gone. The hormones go away mm-hmm. by uh, within hours after birth. And in these maladjusted foals, they hang on and hang on and hang on. And they keep them in this stupor estate because they don't know they've been born. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. So, so what's the trigger? Of, what's the trigger to on a normal birth? What would be the trigger to change them from the sleepy state to the awake and aware state? You should be a graduate student. Those are the things that we ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fundamental science question. What is the switch? What who pulls the switch? So let's think about it for a second and go back to full is we just had one born the other day. We had to uh, measure his body with, with 140 pound thoroughbred full. Mm-hmm. So it's got long legs. And you can imagine that the risk of this, if this switch that you're supposed to get up and follow the, the, the mare and do all this stuff, if that switch went off too early, it'd be fatal to the mare and foal. So you've got to have something mm-hmm. happen that is a clear signal that you're out of the womb. And what that right. is, is the pressure of the birth canal. When they go through stage two labor, which is where they put their nose and the two two feet, and they go into the birth canal and they get squeezed, it's a tight fit coming out. That 20 minutes of squeezing is triggering that conversion of those hormones to turning those off. And that's what we observed in our other study is that these hormones are talking to each other when there's a squeeze procedure going along. And then what we found is we said, well, uh, if you look at the biology of you know what people report for the dummy fault, the only thing that really is proven is that it's usually a quick birth. So we thought, aha, if it's a quick birth and you didn't get the 20 minutes of signal and it's mm-hmm. not safe to wake the fault, you know, evolutionary wise to wake up, maybe these hormones just hang there and hang there till they, you know, other signaling processes, sound, light, time. They, and it uh, goes away. So we decided just when uh, I got a call about a dummy foal and they said, hey, have you got any new treatments and whatnot? It was a thoroughbred farm. And I said, gee, how was the birth? And she said, oh, it was just fine and normal. I said, well, how long did it take? She said, oh, my goodness. It was it was just rapid as could be. Uh, the foal alert went off and I was in my kitchen. I came out and the foal was already out. But mm-hmm. He's eight hours old. He's upside down the feeder. He doesn't recognize his mother. He's not nursing. We're trying to give him a bottle. We had to have the vet tube feed him, et cetera. So I said, hey, do you want to try another a, a treatment that doesn't cost you anything if you have a rope? And she said, sure. So I used the rope system that we had proven, you know, that we had done the study with. Does that make sense? We were doing that separate mm-hmm. study. We knew right. how to put it on. We knew it was safe. knew they breathed okay and all this. So I put it on him for 20 minutes. He laid down, went to sleep like they do in the study, which mimics the immobility in the birth canal. So when you're going through the birth canal, it's not a good idea to wiggle your feet around. Right. So when you get squeezed, it does two things. It immobilizes you. That's perfect. And then it tells you, quit making those hormones for 11 months instead of keeping you asleep. Shut them off. We're not going to need them in 20 minutes. And so we, I squeezed that foal. He stood up, nickered at his mother for the first time within seconds of letting uh, loose of the rope. 
And within 15 minutes, he was nursing effectively on the mare after eight hours of not wandering around. So that was the first one we did. That must have been so exciting uh, for you where you're like, walk like Lazarus. I mean, that's like, you know, you're a miracle worker at that point for the clients. I tell you what, it it really is. It's uh, it's beyond one's imagination. You know, when I was doing this, I thought, well, geez, maybe in a few hours or that, you know, if we could just change the five to seven day treatment thing that a lot of them have to get, and you're sitting there watching it happen. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then you want to talk about drama. If you're, if you're the horse owner and you've had waited 11 months for the baby and then it's right. born and then it's not doing what it's supposed to. And you call the vet, they come out at midnight and tube the full and do everything. They say, and then three hours later, it's still not nursing and doing everything. And you're sitting there by yourself at 3 a.m. in the morning yeah. and you don't know what else to do. Well, put this rope system on, which you can pull up on so many sites. We've described exactly how to do it. And there's just hundreds of reports of, uh, of uh, this, uh, you know, the foals responding to this treatment. Just uh, very uh, gratifying. And, and it, you know, you can imagine the how the owner feels when they're in that scenario was great for me. I'm just there in the middle of the day and all this stuff. You're in the middle of the night by yourself and all you have is a rope, you know, and you can actually make this foal come to life. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. That's incredible. And I'm looking at the pictures. It doesn't look that complicated. No, you know, that's a, it's so, uh, that's a great uh, point. Uh, this is a step-by-step and then, you know, people said, well, you could make a little harness with these little straps and everything. And we actually have one in our clinic that kind of mimics the rope thing that you can put on real quickly. And I thought, you know what, we're not putting that out there and showing people because everyone has a rope and everyone right. can do this. And if they think you've got to have this special gizmo, it's not going to be used by everyone right. and it's being used around the world. I mean, uh, South America, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, everywhere where there's horses, this birth problem, England has been around for a long time and you can just go step by step and put this on couple of precautions. You don't, if the foal is a real big foal, you want to palpate and make sure that when it went through the birth canal, it doesn't have broken ribs very mm-hmm. rare event, but it can happen and you wouldn't want to put the rope squeeze on them. So you can just feel along the rib cage and things like that. So otherwise we don't really know a contradiction to saying, well, cause your first point is good. If he doesn't nurse, could you do this? And, and then just see what happens and then call your vet or you can call your vet while this is going on. You know, uh, it just gives you options for people that can't then like you're at 3 a.m. The vet has already been out. They're going to say, you got to send it in. Yeah. This is the amount of money it's going to cost and that kind of thing. And we don't know how many of those folds then don't make it. We don't have the data on that. And uh, so I have no doubt this is changing the lives of many foals. And now um, some really interesting information about this syndrome is that you have started started working with human doctors about uh, people with autism, that this might be a link for people to understand autism. Yeah. So 
I mean, uh, again, I'm a veterinarian. I'm not an expert on autism, a professor of medicine at, at UC Davis and, and whatnot. But all of us, you know, read and know, you know, about the autism and the, the uh, remarkable increase in the incidence. The Center for Disease Control now says one in 58 births, you know, is uh, mm-hmm. results in the uh, a child with autism and it's a behavioral abnormality. And, and, uh, and, and so of course, uh, you know, with our discovery that we have these neurosteroids in elevated levels producing, uh, behavioral abnormalities, you know, and then if you look at some of the literature, there is some risk factors for autism with, uh, different interventions at birth. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and there's probably a variety of causes for the syndrome, but it, it, it certainly would, would, would say, well, why don't we just take a look at these same things that we develop measurements for, you know, the ability to measure using mass spectrometry uh, uh, analysis. Uh, it's not a simple blood test, but so we threw that idea out there. And then in the meantime, there was a publication that actually came out in the European uh, literature in a peer-reviewed journal showing that in kids with autism age 10 and then 12, and they measured in the saliva, this panel of neurosteroids, just as part of their research and not knowing about our full stuff, four of the, that, that in, in the kids with autism, there were four neurosteroids elevated in their saliva. And uh, four of those are the same as those uh, found elevated in the maladjusted foal. Oh, wow. Well, that really so, does seem to be, uh, seem to be a link there. Yeah, I know it's not it, proven. It's certainly but. worth measuring this and mm-hmm. doing some studies, you know, and, and so we're, uh, we're just trying to say, are we learning anything from the foal that might help us understand some component of this syndrome and some some right. children affected by this you know and so and of uh, course with temple Grandin, you know she loves the she she is like really promoted the squeeze shoot um thing because yeah. she worked with cattle you know so it really all kind of ties together yeah we just did a program with temple uh two weeks ago here in a uh, one health you know discovery uh thing here at uc davis and uh, she's really uh it, it all ties together. Uh, her brain chemistry changes when she gets this squeezing thing. And then of course, when here's the other connection, which, uh, we're pursuing again was Stanford and we got a bill and Melinda Gates foundation, uh, grant to look at is that when you, when there's a normal birth in, in humans, the, the, um, years ago it was discovered that when the mothers did this skin to skin swaddling where they put a wrap around and they go directly to the skin and there's a nice, you know, snug, um, swaddle right to the chest of the mother that when they started doing that in South America, they changed the infant survival rate in a very positive way. And mm-hmm. they showed actually that you could improve infant survival premature infant survival by as much as 40% by the mothers doing this procedure of snug, snug holding or skin to skin kangaroo mother care. It's also called, and then there's these positive effects on their ability to thermoregulate to nurse and do all these things. So, you know, when we're squeezing the foal and we see that there's these hormone changes that, that are going on, we're wondering, 
does this help those premature infants switch from the in utero to extrauterine life and thermoregulate and nurse and gut motility and all those things and suckle reflex and all that? Are they better at it when the mother does it? Well, they are better at it when the mother does mm-hmm. the swaddling and they're skin to skin. But is the mechanism relate to these neurosteroids like we're seeing in the folds? Is there something that's kicking that system into, I've been born, I better do this. And the other striking thing is that they show that neurodevelopment in children that have done that skin-to-skin process is better out to age 20. They've measured it out to year 20. So you're a different person if you've had this procedure done, the skin-to-skin infant for a long enough period of time, you actually have better neurodevelopment. So there's a lot of brain changes going on here that we need to learn about. And the foal has kind of been the stimulus, at least for us, to uh, try to talk about some of these other things. Well, Dr. John, we're plain run out of time. Um, We're uh, going to post a link to the article that we had on Horse Talk uh, out of New Zealand. They had done an article, and Jemmy, if you could post that. That's a great one. Yeah, if you could, and it had a lot of pictures, too. So if you could post that on our Facebook page at Horses in the Morning, that'll give people an idea of what the the actual rope system looks like. and where can people go? Like, when you need this, you need it now. So if they were to Google it, what do they Google? Well, you can put in Madigan Full Squeeze, uh, not to, uh, you know, uh, keep using my name. And it just got kind of added on there, I guess, because there's other ways you could be squeezing a full. And it'll come right up under the, uh, I, I've got a textbook, too, and our homepage for that, Manual of Equine Neonatal Medicine. we got this step-by-step procedure but uh, if you put in Madigan Full Squeeze Procedure, we have the color pictures. They're on the UC Davis website. They've been released in other places. And then if you want to hear some fun stories of things that happen in the middle of the night, go into Facebook and just put in Full Squeeze, and you'll see dozens and dozens of stories of veterinarians and horse owners using this method and uh, positive outcome. Well, thank you, John, uh, Dr. John Madigan. We appreciate you stopping by. This has been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And thank you for the work that you do. Well, thanks for having a show where people can share information, and I'm sure it's very valuable to everyone. And I've been listening now since I found out about it. And keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Dr. John. Appreciate it. Well, Wendy, that is fascinating stuff. And you've dealt with your share of foals over the years, so you probably have run into a few of these with the dummy foals. Yeah, I... I think it's really, I think it's really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, I, I am a big fan of Dr. Madigan anyways, being a veterinarian, you know, he really has been on the cutting edge of a lot of the, uh, information that we use in practice every day, you know, because he has the ability to do all this research and, and see the horses that come into the hospital. But, um, I just think, uh, for him to, first of all, to, figure out these neurotransmitters and how they relate to human diseases is really, uh, is really important for veterinary medicine because it, it shows the link about how, you know, we're not just like, you know, animal doctors, but we are actually doing real science that can help people and animals, but also that he produces this, this rope system and it's something that people can do. It doesn't cost any money. Like, right. It's not a big pharma thing. They don't have to spend thousands of dollars. And in fact, he's saving people thousands of dollars. I mean, I know that I have been involved with people that have had to euthanize foals because they can't afford 
to send them to the clinic for five days. I mean, that's thousands of dollars, and some people just can't do that. You know, I'm looking actually here, and when you look at his rope method, do you know what it reminds me exactly of? The thunder shirt. Oh, the thunder shirt, yeah. The thunder shirt does the same pressure points in the same places. Well, that's why we have to get Dr. John on the uh, on the TCVM segment, because actually the points that he's pushing on are all the points that relate to the heart um, and relate to the gallbladder meridian. So the heart is, we think of in Chinese medicine, the house of the Shen, the, the brain. So it's your consciousness. So we treat those points for for, you know, uh, behavioral problems, but also the gallbladder meridian is involved with the brain because it runs up along the head. So you know how good it feels when you're getting a head massage? Those are all stimulating your gallbladder points. So from an acupuncture standpoint, this is also really a fascinating uh, discovery. Yeah, it, it is because it has to, again, coming back to the Thunder shirt, which is those pressure points, right? It's still, right. It's, it's the same thing. Points. Yeah. And and the beauty of, of his study is that he has the ability to study the neurotransmitters that are being stimulated by the squeezing. You know, so a lot of us acupuncturists, like we, in theory, think that's what's happening. But I don't, you know, I can't l- test the levels of neurotransmitters of my patients every time I do acupuncture. Right. Right. So this is for, for an acupuncturist like me in the field. This kind of research is really important for me and how to integrate this information into my practice and when I do papers or when I uh, do um, when I do research, I wanna I, I don't wanna just say, well, this is how it happens because believe me. You know, having having this kind of data is really important for, for people in the field. Well, do you have time here while we're waiting for Scott uh, from the Pollock Report? It's going to be on. We're going to switch gears again a little bit and talk about a little race coming on this weekend called the Preakness. He's going to run down the entries for us, which is uh, a light field. So uh, that that's good news for Justify. But uh, he's going to run. He's at the airport. He's actually going to fly to Baltimore to the Preakness today, and he's going through security. So we have to wait till he gets through security to, to call him oh, back. Oh, security. Yeah. Do you want to handle a listener question here quick? Sure. So this was posted in our auditor page, and I'm using it without her permission, so sorry, Lindsay. But uh, Lindsay posted this, and actually, Lindsay's husband is going to be on the Horse Husbands episode uh, next... Next week, and oh, we recorded. Great. So we'll get to hear all the dirt on. Yes, Lindsay. that's right. They've only been married a year, oh, and in my opinion, he was way too nice to her in this episode. But he was, yeah. We yeah. had to tell him, look, nobody's listening. You can just say whatever you want. Uh, but then he was still nice. It's only a year. They're still on their honeymoon. But exactly. uh, he'll be on next he week. We recorded know. that already. So. Um, she says, horses sure keep me humble, don't they? Keep us humble, don't they? I've been riding for 20 plus years and now I've honed five horses and I'm still encountering stuff that's totally new to me. And this kind of relates back to our Lyme disease episode that we did uh, a week or two, a, a couple weeks ago now. We did a special on Lyme disease. Rocket gets bad, that's her horse, gets bad reactions to ticks like crusty, oozing, quarter-sized, swollen bites. I checked him thoroughly yesterday and pulled two off and put Equispot on him Saturday. Found another six bites today. And she asks, any foolproof tick prevention methods? Equispot always worked for my other horse, but doesn't work for Rocket. So 
as far as keeping them from coming on in the first place, and by the way, I just saw a report yesterday that this is an unusually bad tick year, especially in the Northeast. I know. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Well, um, the Equispot is good. Um, another thing that I've done in the past, I'm lucky here in Florida, we don't have ticks, but when I lived in North Carolina, we did have quite a few ticks and my horses did get that oozy, um, tick bites. And also I was terrified of Lyme's disease, you know? Well, that's another thing so, we're about here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, and first of all, if he's, if he's also having a more severe reaction than her other horses, she has to worry about, um, are these tick bites now causing his immune system to get out of whack. So like we talked about with the Lyme disease, the f- why do some people have, have symptoms like you have that are very severe and other people get Lyme's and, and seem to not have those symptoms, right? And that's because of the immune system. So the first line of defense is the immune system. So, so we have to worry about that now too. Um, for the ticks, one of the things I found that works pretty well is, um, frontline spray. So frontline spray is Fipronil. It's a, it's a, you might've used frontline on your dog and cat. It's a topical treatment, but it comes in a spray and you can get it at like Jeffers or you can get it at your veterinarian. I think now that frontline spray is actually over the counter. It used to be, um, prescription, but, uh, you can spray that on their legs and on their tail and the, uh, that can reduce the amount of ticks getting on them because ticks usually quest from the ground and, and get on you from the long grass. Um, so that's why you spray their feet and their tail. If you're going to be riding in the woods a lot, you know, the Equispot can help because the Equispot's on the top of their mane and on their back. Right. So that can help. Uh, another thing I talked about in our, our driving radio show is there's a, um, if you don't want to use chemicals, there's a, a spray called Repel, and it's oil of lemon eucalyptus. It's, so it's an essential oil that has good um, repellent activity towards ticks and mosquitoes as good as DEET, which DEET is a pretty strong chemical, but that's right. what's in OFF. So those two things can help. And you can also try, if your horse is real hairy, you can try uh, diatomaceous earth, which is uh, microscopic shells. And you can dust that on their, on their hair. And when the ticks hit the diatomaceous earth, it's like little, um, it's like little knives and it cuts them up and it dries them out. And she has, but the, the, go ahead. That you have to do that every day. Yeah, that because once it gets wet, it doesn't really work. And and uh, and be careful; it's messy. <laughs> it goes everywhere. It's not, yeah. But you know what I do with it now? Yeah, I put it in a you know the those shakers for like um, powdered sugar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like put you them find in old diners. Su- yeah, 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 that's what I, I that's how I give it to my clients. So that that keeps it a little bit cleaner. Um, the other thing is I'll keep your grass mowed as short as possible. Right. And um, and you can get guineas. 
And we'll get to that's this. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> we'll get to work do like uh, Jemmy does at her place, and they have peacocks everywhere. Um, yeah, so, well, that, everywhere. that does help. That, they eat all the bugs. I haven't seen a bug they at her house the yet. Terminator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, we're going to get, she had a second part to that question, but we'll get back to that after we talk to Scott. We have Scott from the Pollock Report coming on with us like he did a couple of weeks ago before the Kentucky Derby to talk to us about the little race on Saturday. Uh, this Saturday, it's going to be the 143rd running of the Preakness Stakes at the uh, Pimlico Racecourse in Baltimore, right in the city. And it's the second crown, or second Jewel of the Triple Crown. And Scott, you're on your way, huh? Yep, at the airport, heading to Baltimore. Get get there around uh, 1 this afternoon. And, time, and uh, what do you think about... I, I was what? shocked the first time I went to Pimlico because I was shocked, first of all, that it's right in the freaking middle of the city. And I realized that it wasn't when it started. Um, I, I think yeah. a lot of people are shocked when they go to this particular track. Well, it is uh, an interesting place. <laughs> I mean, it used to be crazy, you know. It used to be absolutely insane in the infield uh, back in the day when people would roll kegs into the middle of the infield and uh, and people would, you know, of course, run on top of the porta potties and do races. And it got so out of control, you know, the horses were, people were worried about, you know, people throwing bottles on the track. It got really out of control. These days, it's 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 still a party in the infield, but the track has taken much more you know more measures to make it safer. You can't bring anything in like that anymore, so it's still a party. It's still probably the the most fun of the three races um, from a fan standpoint, but it's a little bit more calm in the infield these days. <laughs> it could be one of the last. It could down. be. It really could be. Yeah, a bit, but. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the next year possibly could be the last year that it's going to be. Oh, really? Oh, Uh, no. Yeah, because there's there's a discussion about what, you know, the city wants to do something with that land. And the Stronach Group, which owns it and owns Laurel Park, uh, not too far away, uh, Laurel Park is being renovated. And the idea is that in the future, the Preakness will be held at Laurel Park. Uh, That's a little out of town, too, isn't it? Yeah, but they're going to put a train station right there at the track, so it'll be really nice. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Well, that'll be good for parking. And build, and bu- and build retail around it, uh, You know, kind of like what Gulfstream Park has done in Florida. Uh, they'll have a little village, and I think it'll be kind of a destination. Um, so I think I think in the end it will be good when it moves to Laurel Park, even if the traditionalists you know, might wince at it moving from Pimlico. Hmm. Well, there's a uh, there was another big announcement at the Supreme Court, uh, but I, I, we'll I want to ask you about that here and how that's going to affect racetracks mm-hmm. in just a minute. But first, can we go do a quick rundown on the horses in in the uh, Preakness? Sure. Actually, I don't have a list in front of me. I know there are probably going to be eight horses. There's only two, uh, three, make that three, from the Kentucky Derby this year. Uh, Bravazo. Uh, who finished in the middle of the pack. Um, and then the top two finishers of the Derby justify and good magic will both be in the last few years. We've seen the, the top two finishers of the Derby have a nice rivalry in the Preakness. Although, uh, none of those situations has resulted in a top two, you know, one, two finish in the, uh, in the Preakness. So we'll see what happens, but good magic is a good horse. I think he's clearly better than the rest of the field. But is he as good as Justify? 
I, I doubt it. Is this a long, and this is a longer race too, right? No, it's shorter. Shorter race. Okay. The, it's one and three. Yeah. It's just, just a hair shorter than a mile and a quarter. It's one and three sixteenths. Okay. Um, and, and the track at Pimlico has, you know, plays to speed. So this, the whole thing is setting up for justified and the weather forecast. It does not look good for the whole <laughs> week. It looks like it's going to rain from now on through Saturday. Hopefully that'll change, but if it doesn't, we're going to have a sloppy track like we did in the Derby, and we saw what Justify did in that. Um, and I just think it's going to be a situation with a small, smaller field where he gets to the lead, and then they're just going to have to try to run him down, which they couldn't do last time. Wow, I do. so we're looking at maybe another Derby Day washout? It looks like it. It looks like it right now. The precipitation uh, chances are somewhere between eighty and hundred percent from now till through Saturday. Jeez, uh, we, that is going to really yeah. affect hat choices. For and those and uh, I can <laughs> imagine the mud bowl that's going to be in the infield. It's going to be. It's going to. Yeah, be. that's. That, <laughs> I, I'm I'm really crossing my fingers that like Derby Week, it was clear all week. It was beautiful all week, and I think even on the show, I said it looks like we're going to yeah. good. You know good day and then and then on friday afternoon they changed the forecast and all of a sudden it's gonna rain all day and, and then it turned out to be the wettest derby day in history it was just like oh, i was God. just flabbergasted because all week the forecast was great so maybe we'll get the reverse here maybe it'll flip and we'll get good weather in the end well every all the reading i've done is talking about justifying good magic there there are there's a small field too it's like eight of them i think in there i'll i'll run these other names by if you have anything to say about them you can jump in but right now it looks okay. like quip um who oh yeah quip, yeah he won he's, the, a, he's a he's a nice horse yeah he won the tampa yeah. bay derby and he's, arkansas derby runner up he did yeah and they yeah and yeah and he ran, yeah he ran well and obviously ran well in both those races um and he's owned by the same ownership as Justify. So it's interesting that they're going to give that horse a chance to go up against their other horse, you know, who's trying for a triple crown. Um, they think he's got the talent. They, they sat him out of the Derby intentionally uh, to give him a little bit more rest. They thought he might need some, but he is not one to sleep on. He's a pretty talented horse. We had another one called Sporting Chance that uh, didn't make, actually didn't have enough points to make the Derby and uh, finished fourth in the Pat Day Mile and I think we're going to see him trailing the field. Uh, um, I, I, I will give you, I will say this. I think he has a small sporting, sporting chance. chance. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I mean, he, he, he veered out in the bluegrass stakes. He veered out way to the right late, um, which I think kind of devalued his performance in that race. Um, He's he's a he, okay. So he's trained by D. Wayne Lucas, like Bravazzo. D. Wayne Lucas loves the Preakness. Lucas has won the Preakness six times. Oof. He won it uh, when Orb was trying to go for the Triple Crown a few years ago, and with an upset pick at fifteen to one. Um, and so I would not rule out any Lucas horse in the Preakness as a potential upsetter. And I think this one, Sporting Chance, probably has more of a chance than Bravazzo. We have uh, a Steve Asmussen horse, which is tenfold, which, what, it's like a third career start or something? Just, uh, Yeah, I think this is his fourth. Fourth? I believe okay. this is fourth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's lightly new. raced. He's got a lot of, he's got good breeding. He's got a lot of talent. 
you know, he's just young and I don't think he's on justified level at this point. So I think he's up against it, but you know, stranger things have happened. He's, he's not untalented. He's definitely, he belongs in a triple crown race, I think. All right. The one that I want to ask you about, because I pick by name, and this is a 30 to 1 right now, it's called Pony Up, because I own a pony. So uh, that's a Todd Pletcher horse. Uh, any any hope for Pony Up? I can't, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I remember him being, you know, getting a, a few derby points at some point, and then, you know, he was kind of on the list, and um, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain to remember yeah, how he does, hasn't accumulated those points. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I can't really, I don't have a lot to say about him. I think he's, you know, one of those guys in the field. They need to, you know, they got to have somebody in the field. They got to have, a, yeah, they got to have a few horses to make it look like it's not a match race, right? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, on paper, it is. On paper, it is a match race. <laughs> well, very good. Now there was a cha- the Supreme Court ruling this week that basically said that uh, this. Well, you can probably explain it better than me about the gambling. So, could you explain it? Sure. Um, so in 1992, uh, the federal government passed a law that said states, besides the ones that have been grandfathered in, like Nevada, cannot legalize gambling uh, on sports. Cannot legalize gambling Football, on Football, baseball, or whatever. Or yeah. Or college as well. Right. So, and then uh, New Jersey, a few years ago, uh, in an effort to kickstart the idea of betting on sports uh challenged this in court the the leagues and the ncaa fought back the result was court cases going through appeals yada 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 and it ended up monday with the supreme court ruling on it and to me it was inevitable that this was going to happen but they said that law was unconstitutional It, it, it impinged on states rights and so they struck it down which means States are now, uh, they can allow sports betting, and New Jersey is jumping right in. Uh, Monmouth Park, the racetrack there, has already had a sports book ready to go, and I think they're opening Memorial Day weekend, so (laughs) it's not far off. It's actually going to happen really quick, and I would not be surprised to see other states get on this bandwagon because there's just so much tax revenue to be had, and it's, it's happening anyway illegally and, and in shady offshore books where the governments, uh, state governments aren't making a dime off of it. So you might as well legalize it and, and, and at least get your share. That's What's it mean for the tracks? Are the tracks the ones that are going to be ready and quickest to get to the forefront of it? I think in a large part, yes. Um, the Stronach Group, which owns several racetracks, and uh, Pimlico being one, we just talked about that, Laurel Park, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, I, you know they're very interested in sports betting, uh, and and I've been you know in any state that's going to allow it, I think they'll be ready to pounce. They'll build the facilities, they'll push for it, and yes, you know. But the big question is, in the end, does this hurt horse racing or help horse mm, racing? That's my question. You talk about you talk about the yeah. It, it is a it is a, it's a good question, and I don't know the answer, but I know that racetracks want to do this. You know, and 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 it, it will bring people to the track uh, for the purpose of sports betting. In 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 you know, to start with, will they then get interested in racing? I don't know. Um, 
but there, it, it's, it's a question that's kind of weighing right now on the industry. The, the bottom line is that this ruling has changed everything in the gambling world. And the NFL Nothing is having the a cow. They hate this. The NFL hates this. Um, well, they, they may say that. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's true because, you know, more eyeballs on their product is good for them. The NBA has come around to saying, you know, we support this if, you know, we can get a cut. Right. I think the NFL is going to end up doing the same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get our take. We'll get more people watching the games, and in the end, it'll be good for them. The, the main question or consideration that they've always batted around is integrity of the games. And, you know, I just feel like if it's regulated properly, I don't – it's already happening. And so – if, if it's happening, you know, the gambling's happening now, then the integrity part is happening now. And I haven't heard of too many cases where corruption is going on, you know, inside the sports sports world. Now, as far as uh, online, the big betting sites that we all see the ads for, and there's always been some question about the legality of those, it, that's not affected by this ruling in any way, right? Well, they're going to pounce on it, too. Well, I, mean, I know, yeah, um, but... Twins, yeah. Twin Spires and TVG are definitely going to offer sports betting. And it all depends on how the states structure this stuff. If they say you can only bet at casinos and racetracks, you can only bet on sports at already established casinos and racetracks. That's possible. They might do that. Um, you know, but what, what if they say, well, you can bet on your phone anywhere. Well, that, that's a totally different story. So we'll have to see each state's going to be different too. And how they go about this. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of a wait, wait and see right now. And, and it's really the industry that has been talking about this for a while and saying, okay, do we see it as a threat? Do we see it as an opportunity? If it happens, we probably need to embrace it and take advantage of it to, to the best of our ability. Because right now the only legal form of wagering online is horse racing. And that was a huge advantage that may be disappearing. Well, I mean, they they don't have a choice. They're going to have to take advantage. It'll be gone, just like everything else in this fast-moving world, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Just like you and I and what we do. I mean, we have to always be looking at what's next, or we're going to be gone, right? It's just, it's true of any industry it, it, with how fast everything is moving today with technology and, and the whole works, social media. Um Interesting. Well, thank you so much. I'll let you get to your flight. We really appreciate you joining us. It's the Pollock Report. If you want to find anything about what's going on this weekend uh, at the race, it will be on NBC. The race is at 6.20 Eastern time. That's the post time on NBC, but they start coverage at about uh, 8 in the morning. So you'll find find some TV show somewhere covering the Preakness. And, of course, if you want to read about it, go to the Pollock Report. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Talk to you. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Wow. Lots happening in the betting world right now. I know. That's exciting. Wendy, you have to unplug quick. Sorry. You have to do the unplug thing. Uh, Now, Wendy, before we let you go today, I wanted to we have an announcement. Jemmy and I, don't go anywhere, Jemmy. Uh, Jemmy and I have an announcement to make. And then I also want to answer the second part of Lindsay's question about the ticks. Okay. So we'll wait till you're back. Is that better? No, you have have to check your settings again. (sighs) I know. I know. Jemmy, you still with us? I'm still here. Good. Cool. So hold on there. Um, 
when Wendy has a Mac and Macs have this issue. <clears throat> Don't blame the Mac. It is okay. the Mac though. It's, <laughs> it's the Mac. Um, so Lindsay asked about the ticks and they, she said they get these oozy quarter size swollen bites and we talked about prevention, but how about the, a topical treatment for what, what does she do with those? What do you put on? Well, so far she's putting on uh, Neosporin, which is good. Um, you know, because uh, one of the oozy parts of it is it's probably getting infected secondarily. She could also do some, um, like, you could take some betadine scrub and make it into, like, a weak tea color, dilute it with water, and then wash that down. Um, and then, of course, I use a herbal topical treatment called Golden Yellow Salve. And a lot of people that use the herbal What's it called? Um, stuff. The golden yellow salve. Okay. You have some in your in your in your tack room, but okay. you don't use any of that. Jen does it all. Right, <laughs> it's true. But it's a it's a um it's a herbal formula that's in a in a beeswax and olive oil base. So it soothes the skin, and it also sticks on there, so it covers it for quite a long period of time. And then the herbs help get rid of the infection and the inflammation. That's a problem with neosporin, is it comes off so quickly. It just yeah. yeah. Well, and then also, if you're worried about that and you want to cover it because flies are getting in there in Florida, we have a horrible problem with uh, with flies and with with um, summer sores. So you could use that alu spray, the aluminum spray, and that that's like a, a bandage, like a liquid bandage. Now, what um, can they buy the yellow salve at your website? Uh, yes, they can at drwendying.com. And, and say what it's called again. It's called Golden Yellow Salve. So if you want it, you just go to drwendyying.com and she'll ship it out to you. Um, along with a bunch of other things that she has over there on that website. So <laughs> I have some new products coming up, but I'm not ready to let them out of the bag yet. We'll do that on the next driving radio show. These were ones that you were kind of working on yourself, right? Yeah, these are our over-the-counter products that um, you can have at the barn. Like we have a hindgut ulcer formula. And then, of course, the Golden Yellow Salve and with that golden yellow, we're putting together like a herbal first aid kit for your barn. Cool. I can't wait to hear about that. Well, you know, I've been working with Jemmy, or Jemmy's been working with us here at the Horse Radio Network for how long now? Um, Ooh, well, maybe a little less than a year. I'm yeah, not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure either. <laughs> so, so um, no idea. But it's been thankfully she has. I mean, that's what's allowing Jennifer and I to be able to take two weeks off. Uh, over, uh, you know, starting next week, we've never been able to do that before. So, thank you for that. Uh, but you know, uh, one of the other things that everybody knows that I do with Jemmy is, or, or. Uh, yeah, that I do with Jimmy is the Finding Florida podcast, which is a travel show that allows me to go out and talk about something other than horses one time a month. Um, <laughs> but then we have another announcement that we haven't made here on Horse Radio Network yet, and I'm going to let you do it. You need to make this announcement. All right, drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> so as of a couple of weeks ago, um, Glenn has finally signed on the dotted line and become an official team member, or as we joke, a cooperator, for the Florida Podcast Network. So he is now officially part of the team there with me. And uh, we're, I'm so excited because it makes me feel like the network's that much more legitimate now. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I'm excited to thank be you, working you. with he you. said yes. <laughs> I'm excited to be working with you to help build 
um, the Florida Podcast Network into one that's bigger than the Horse Radio Network. And I really think it's going to be. Um, it, there's it's so much going to potential- be a lot of fun. I mean, the, the responses that we're getting already is just, we're being so well embraced by the travel and tourism industries here that it's just, it's exciting. It's so exciting. I feel like what, what this thing is going to become, we can't even envision yet. It's really exciting. And if, you know, our show, the Finding Florida podcast, the numbers are growing greatly. And you do, you do a much better Mm -hmm. job than I ever did. You're so good at the social media. You're so good at tagging. Tagging is so important with social media. I suck (laughs) at it. And you're so good at it. And, And it's true. That's what's helped our growth. People ask, you know, how do I get my podcast out there? And it's it's social media, and it's so important to get others helping you. And Jemmy's been good at every stop we make. You know, she tags them and everything, and they go out and promote it. And she just does a great job with that. And uh, I'm excited. I think that the—I really think podcasting is still the future. I think we haven't seen anything yet. And I think that— I think that finding or the Florida Podcast Network is going to be a big part of what happens with podcasting here in Florida, which is one of the hotbeds of podcasting in the country. Florida's always been a leader in podcasting, and it's not just because we're here, but there's yeah. just a ton of podcasters. And to make a quick point about the social media thing, you know, for any other podcasters out there who are trying to get their podcast known or themselves known, you know, look for opportunities that are outside of what you're what you're doing, jump on other people's bandwagon. So like visit Florida does their, their monthly or every couple months they do a travel chat on Twitter. So I participated in that. And actually I did a screenshot. I can send you Glenn that, I mean, we got followed by um, just on the, on the finding Florida account by six people there. We got, and we got added to two different Twitter lists from two other accounts. So just little, little, tiny bits of exposure like that, it grows exponentially over time. So find, look for opportunities. You never know what's going to happen. Well, I'm excited to be a cooperator. <laughs> <laughs> excited to have your cooperation. <laughs> a but, okay, what the joke is, Wendy, that my brother is a corporate lawyer. I mean, Harvard and Columbia Law School trained mm-hmm. corporate lawyer. And so I had him review the contract. He's like, no, no, no. That's called call of a partner. That The implications are gargantuan yeah. a, co- a cooperator a I said, cooperator okay. <laughs> he's my cooperator it's the first time in my life i've been a cooperator too i'm I'll so you know. proud of you glenn <laughs> isn't that show growth wendy <laughs> yes <laughs> hilarious <laughs> well, i'm it's happy yeah, you can play excited. well with others it does See, welcome on board glenn thank you very much jimmy i'm looking forward to it. it's going to be a lot of fun Well, that's it for today's episode. We really appreciate you being here. We'll be dark tomorrow. There won't be a show because we don't have one yet on uh, the third Thursdays of the month. We're working on filling that, hopefully, maybe with a mini show. You never know. Um, (laughs) And then Friday, we'll be back. I have an exciting announcement about Friday. Jennifer will be producing, but my co-host on Friday for Jamie will be Joy Orr. One of our auditors is going to be co-hosting on Friday. So isn't that cool? And then on Monday of next week, one of our auditors is going to be joining us too. Megan's going to be joining us, and it'll be their first time co-hosting the show. So it's always fun when we get the listeners involved in co-hosting the show. They got their equipment. We've been testing it. They're so excited. And Joy this week gets to do really bad ads. So Oh, fun. We're going to see how her southern accent is uh, coming up on Friday. <laughs> 
Friday. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate it. Of course, Wendy, all our past episodes of the Driving Radio Show can be found at drivingradioshow.com. But she'll be here the first Thursday of next of June. I think it's June the... Do you know the date? June the 7th, actually. June the 7th, she'll be here to do her first episode of Horses in the Morning. And we're very happy about that and excited. So uh, that's it for today. Thank you, Jemmy. Our show is Finding Florida, the Finding Florida podcast. You can find it over there as well. We had fun this weekend in uh, in Fort Lauderdale, and that episode will be coming out soon, too. I got to play with mermaids. I got a pedicure. I got a pedicure and got to play with mermaids. So it was a great weekend. It was terrific. You got a pedicure? I did. My first one ever. Oh, my God. I'll send you you pictures, Wendy. (laughs) I bet you love it now. What color did you pick, Glenn? Oh, I didn't let them put any polish on them. Although Jemmy was rude for that, I think. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see everybody. Bye, everybody. All right. Keep this shiny side Bye. up.